Welcome back to another episode of uh, Lay It on the Table, the Southern Game. Bleh, I'm going to blow it now because I couldn't <laughs> read it fast enough. Dag oh, Nabbit, man. welcome back to another edition of Lay It on the Table, the Southern Board Game Podcast with the... Uh, re, um, hmm. <laughs> Wide right again. Huh? I know, it really was. I was staring at it right here. I thought, boy, if I put it in front of me, I'd hit it. But it is the Southern Board Game Podcast with the accent on Southern, even yes. though I can't seem to nail that uh, consistently. But we're going to work on that, and we're just going to leave all these glitches in here because, you know, humor. Right. And if we get enough listeners that it, that it really becomes a, an issue, then I'll fix it in post. <laughs> But anyway, uh, I'm Joe Mahaffey, the stumbling reader of the tagline that he wrote, I don't know, a summer ago. Uh, and of course, with me, as always, my partner in crime. I'm James Engelhart, uh, watching Joe stumble along. Yeah, uh, it's a still a good tagline. I Just, nailed it uh, so perfectly last time. I don't know what you happened. did. I think is my, you know, my brain was like, oh, we got to get going. I got to push all these buttons and do all this stuff. Anyway, yeah. welcome to 2023 and a Woo-hoo. new season of uh, lay it on the table. Uh, you know, it's interesting. I, I actually left something off our last conversation mm. and it was, uh, but it's, but it's okay. We can pick it up here because I actually have a new year's resolution as it relates oh. to board games. And um, I thought, you know, I have this BGG board game geek um, app and um, I have, as you know, I do not track the plays in the app. And so I've decided that in the year of 2023, I'm going to track every game that I play. I may not always track who wins. I don't, but I will track who I played with. Yeah. Excellent. We started a little bit before the year with a couple of games that we'll talk about in a little bit. Uh, But I thought, you know, that would be just, you know, something different to be a little bit more disciplined about kind of have a journal, of um, yes. what I've played, and I'd like to try to play my whole collection at some point in time this year. That's, which you, I, um, I was just looking back over my own uh, stats from last year, played uh, well over 200 games, mm-hmm. played games over 200 times, so that's, you know, two-thirds of the year. That's pretty good. Just out of uh, curiosity, how many of those games were quacks? Uh, probably <laughs> 40 or 50 of them, yeah, when that started off. And uh, there's a whole bunch of um, Cascadia in there as well. But, sure. Yeah. Sure, sure. Uh, but it's yeah, but it's also fun then to go back and see like as I'll have I had two groups of students who joined me and had a couple of friends over for different game nights and so yeah, it's been super fun to look back and see who all was involved with all of that. Oh, awesome, awesome, awesome. So uh, as always, we like to talk about what is on the table or what has been on the table. So why don't we start with you kind of walking through what you've been playing over the last couple of weeks that we have been sure. with. Yeah, yeah. So, um, of course, we went through the winter or holiday season, as one does. And uh, because game, you know, board game, tabletop game, dude, um, these come my way. People are like, how do you have so many games? I, I don't buy all of them. Frequently, they just show up. They have arrived as gifts. So uh, one of the ones that we had a lot of fun with over the break was uh, Catapult Feud, which is this gets remade every 10, 15 years or so, and sometimes goes by a lot of different names. But it's this fantastic basic game where you're sitting about a yard and a half, uh, five feet or so apart, and 
you have little plastic blocks with little plastic dudes and you put them together however you wish. And then you've got these little catapults that are powered by uh, rubber bands and you take turns trying to knock over all the little dudes and the first person to walk, <laughs> knock over all the other person's little dudes wins. That was awesome. That probably accounted for a dozen plays of last year just by itself. Didn't, didn't, it isn't that fun. the game we used to play in like grade school with the, the paperclip oh. and the rubber band? Something like that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there's a million, I would say there's a million <laughs> versions of them, but the, there, there have been various like formalized versions of this and then lots of ad hoc versions, um, including, you know, just like build stuff out of Legos and knock it down, right? So, with your brother and whatever. So help me understand. So you, you, oh. you, you did not buy this. Somebody gifted this to you. This is correct. Okay. Uh, my wife, as a matter of fact. Okay. 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 And she decided, boy, I'd really like to fight with James, but not in pro and but not over real stuff. So I'll take out my aggression here. Sure, these little with the yeah. catapult feud. Okay, I'm I'm tracking now. Little fake rocks at each other. Yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, it was super fun. Played a lot with Sky. Played a lot with Laura. And at one point, her dad was uh, who was sitting on the couch watching us do this uh, while there were football games or other stuff going. On. I was like, well, I thought uh, I thought um, English professor would play want to play more challenging kind of games. Uh, but um, we said, no, this is just fun. This is just fun. See, that's what he gets for profiling you, judging you. See, right? See, well, and there's a there's an option to play with cards where you can have a hand of like two or three cards and you can play them to move stuff. Mm-hmm. But it's just so much more fun to just <laughs> watch these things at each other. No, 100%. I mean, we, yeah. you know, when you have a game that's sometimes having a, I don't want to call it a mindless game, but a game that you don't have to think a lot about strategy. Um, or at least, you know, what am I going to do on this turn? <laughs> I'm going to change. I'm going to see if I can shift my trajectories a little bit. And yeah. Knock no, that damn last dude over. That's yeah. That's great. That's great. No. And so there's a, I mean, if you wanted to play with the cards, you could do that. I don't know. Um, we never touched them. We had them out to begin with and they're like, you know what? It's just so much fun launching. These why, why, why do I have this vision of you in March taking your class and doing Ooh. like a, you know, bracket system till you get down to the end of March and everybody just oh, got that these. could be fun. So you yeah. could do something with that. Yeah. 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 No, I have a whole <laughs> catapult feud. Uh, yeah. Final four thing. There yeah. you go. There you go. It's coming up faster than we, than we think it is. Oh, I know. I so. mean, there's a championship tomorrow, all of these very large, um, physical games with lots of dexterity involved. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know about that, <laughs> but Sure. I'm not the one playing. So no, and more I, dexterity. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Yeah. So, uh, that, and then, yeah, now you're, you're good. You're, you're going right where I was going to go. So keep going. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, far more, I mean, I guess feud came out, um, very recently just as it's, you know, published, but it goes back, you know, again, as we were saying, just decades, uh, and then paint the roses, which just came out. There was a Kickstarter about a year or so ago, mm-hmm. uh, which fulfilled. And then the, um, you know, the regular retail version is, is out. So uh, that came my way as well. And that's a super fun, cooperative um, deduction game. Okay. And so this would fit more in my father-in-law's eye. I would expect you to play more challenging games. Uh, or at and, least a game was, based on a literary. And also literary. Yeah. yeah. So, and it was, it's a, it's a nice, it's a smart little game. Um, mm-hmm. It was super fun to play. Um Sky, who sometimes has trouble making decisions, um, slid right through it, had a great time. Uh, we lost because the queen is, you know, she's relentless, but, uh, that but a, a super fun and a lot 
like we played cryptid and a couple of other deduction games that are a little like you really have to spend a lot of time keeping track of information and this one felt like uh playing at three player four player you had enough um information that was there in front of you that you didn't have to pay too much attention we weren't playing we never did get to the advanced cards so that might change uh your experience but um Super fun. Uh, I really had a good time with that one. Well, I may just have to put this on my wish list because um, this speaks on a couple of different levels. Number one is cooperative. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, as, as I've mentioned before, we're always looking for uh, cooperative games. Um, and it also is thematic in the sense that you have the whole um, Alice in Wonderland kind of thing. And, I, you know, you know my wife well enough to know she is a big Lewis Carroll fan. Ah, yes. Uh, Twas brillig and the slyly toves, as they say. And um, so this is this kind of also fits that sort of aesthetic uh, as well. So I'm going to put it on my uh, wish list. Yeah. It's well within it. Board Game Geek. See if that works. They've got a little (laughs) hack to play at two player, and I think that should work. I played it three. You know, as a three topper uh, with Sky and Laura. And, you know, I would think that it's. It went really quick, so I think it'd be an easy. It's an easy teach, you know. You put a tile down, mm-hmm. and um, then you everybody decides, you know, what sort of matches they've got. And there's little cubes that sort of let you signal that, and then everybody takes a guess. Wow, it's a pretty, pretty straightforward, particularly for a deduction game. Super straightforward. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, and then from my brother, this goes back a couple of years, also had a good time with this one, Karuba, um, which was, this goes back, I want to say 10, 15 years. So it says 2015. Than, it says 2015. Okay, so eight years. <laughs> Math is hard. I know. Uh, Rear Dorm, this was an early example of Haba trying to get into the more adult uh, side of things. And this was one of their first moves into that. The fun thing about Karuba is it's um, it's a game that kind of uses a bingo mechanism. Okay. So everybody has exactly the same set of tiles. The person who's the active player, who's going to be sort of the caller for the whole game, shuffles theirs up randomly and calls out. Like, okay, I picked tile 17. And the next one is tile 5. Okay. And the next one is... And then everybody puts that tile, you have it lined up in front of you, and put you put it wherever you want to on your board. And the trick then is that, and you're trying to move figures from the outer edges over to the other edge, so you're trying to connect routes across. I see, so it's a little bit like Soro and Aruba, yep. and okay, very cool. Yep, um, so you're doing that sort of route building thing with the tile laying. The interesting trick here is that you can either place a tile where you can extend a an existing trail or you can trash the tile and how many termina- terminals are on that tile, either two, three, or four, is how many you can move your one of your figures. Okay. So you're either building the path or you're moving along the path, but the and it's the same tile. So you have to make these decisions about choice, right? whether this is one that I need or this has the movement that I need to get to, to go. where I want to go. Yeah. Yep. So just out of curiosity, um, was this new to you, or did you pull this out of your collection and play it? This was new to me. Okay. Uh, this is one of those games that I would go into a game store and think, "Ooh, 
That's so interesting, but I just, I just never pulled the trigger. So it's great. Once again, holidays, gifting yep. occasions yep. are nice sure. for people to show up and say, you know what? You should have that game. So, <laughs> uh, and that was another fun. I think you could play this two player very easily. Um, and it's also just fun to watch how confronted with exactly the same choices, people come up with very different responses to those choices. Mm-hmm. No, that makes sense. So, and, you know, that's the that's the thing. I, you know, there are so many games and I'll, when I get into to mine, I'll talk about some that are, you know, have a mechanic for two player to mm-hmm. make it, to make it interesting. And, and that sometimes works and sometimes it doesn't work, you know, yep. and I, I can, you know, give you a couple of examples where we've had to, you know, kind of make our own house rules around a two player game that is missing something just to kind of make it worthwhile, if you will. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Yep. We had to do that with Wingspan early on mm-hmm. with the base game because the the food tray and the birds tray can become pretty static if there's just two of you. Right. Um, right. And so we used somebody had to come up with a, a hack to play the Automa card and just sort of either take the food or the birds, whatever it said to do. Um, and that moved things along. And then the European expansion came out and everything moved along much more quickly. But speaking of Elizabeth Hargrave, Yes. Uh, Mariposas was one that I did pick up. It was on a clearance rack at the back of the local game shop. And I was like, well, damn, I guess I have to take this home now. And uh, that was, that's been a lot of fun. Laura and I have been playing it a lot just the last couple of days. And um, it's interesting. It's, it's a game that can be pretty relaxing because you don't really interfere with each other at all as you're moving your butterflies north reproducing gathering supplies and extras and doing some set collection and heading back down if you can to Machoacan. um and it's um it's a nice one end of the night for us because it's you know emerson's just gone to bed mm-hmm. and we're going to do something a little you know watch something a little bit later but it's a nice right in the middle there and the more that we've played it the faster it goes so yeah we like this game a lot we've had it since it first came out um and it's interesting. What I love about it is, you know, uh, Elizabeth Hargraves has really, in my mind, established herself as a designer that when she does something different, it's different. It's not just her original mm-hmm. concept um, re- reskinned, if you will. Um, right. I was expecting, you know, to be a bunch of cards in there with different butterflies on it. And it was going to be like the birds. You know, I mean, yep, yep. when no, you I first know. hear that this is where yep. this is going, yeah. And so um, I liked this game, and it's interesting because because I I generally win at this game. Oh, okay. Um, and it's because this game has an element to it that reminds me of chess. And what I mean by that is because there's three different life cycles that you're working through. Mm-hmm. I'm always thinking. Where do I need to be at the end of this one to be where I want to be at the end of the next one and, and then get back to Michigan? I said that wrong, I'm sure. It's okay. uh, um, you know, and and get as many butterflies back as possible. And how do you you stage that that waypoint, if you will? And yep. and so and then using the cards that you have to benefit from are you east, are you west, are you north, or you south kind of thing. Yes. And um, so it's 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 always frustrating for Dale because I'm I'm able to think okay where do I want to be, and she'll get stuck further away, and have to make her way back. And so I may get two or three butterflies in at the end of the day where she gets in one or two, and that makes a difference. It does. It's we've been 
less focused on getting lots of butterflies back to Machua Khan, um, as, but also figuring out some of the other uh, bonuses that can help you in a couple of different ways. And right. it, it was, has been fun to start to figure out, okay, so if I, and the movement cards do add a bit of, we were talking about this a little bit in terms of Sansusi, where if you don't get the card, you just don't get the card. You've got to figure out some other movement, some secondary action, some other plan, because, you know, you can plan to do whatever you'd like, but if the movement doesn't show up, then you, you, you are stuck figuring out something else, which I think is an interesting way to keep it from becoming exactly chess-like because it isn't uh, perfect information either for right. the other player or for most of you. It's yeah. just me. You know, when I'm, when I say it's like chess, it's like you're thinking oh, I see moves what ahead yeah. and it's Machoa Khan. Did I say it right now? Yes. Okay. Machoa Khan. I'm just, you know, I want to be right about these things, <laughs> you know, geez. Mariposas. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. And I think it's, there was a moment when we were playing the other day where I was like, okay, so I've got two movement cards that are going to let me do this, Mm -hmm. which will let me do two thirds of this final plan. And luckily the other card that I needed dropped into my hand and huzzah, I won. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. It's always been close. It's always been close. Yeah. It's crazy the way it can, it can operate, but it's, it's a really cool cause there's a, there's a friend of mine that I play music with and his wife, is big on the butterfly release every year and she does the chrysalis and she's got butterfly bushes and all this stuff. And Very so cool. we turned her on to this game. Um, cause we just thought, you know, Hey, this, if this is something you're passionate about, this is a game that you can kind of use to explain to other people why you do what you do. Um, and the game is super accessible. I think yeah. it's not, I mean, the way AEG writes rules is not nearly as strong as uh Stonemeyer writes rules. I was, as I was going through the rule book. Uh, don't, but read, don't, still... don't read the Santa Monica rule book ever. <laughs> don't. A, no, but don't. still as you're, you know, once you've got the flow of it, it's, it's a super yeah. straightforward. Yeah. No, we love it. Uh, we haven't played it in a while. Probably should get it back out. Uh, it's, it's yeah. one of those, it's easy to get on the table. It's easy to play. And we like it with our board game table because I've got the, I've got these little stations that you can set up your own uh, dice rollers. Oh, there's nice. a tray there, so we we kind of stack our seasonal butterflies up there on the tray, and then we have the dice to work with. So it uh, it also made the game topper game table get used early when we was like we just got the table and the game just came out and it was like oh this is perfect, <laughs> awesome. So anyway, well that's cool. Yeah, I'm glad that you uh, finally got an opportunity to play that game. It's it's one I see in the game store and it, it goes in and out and in and out. And I recommend it a lot to a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um, just because it's 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 a it's a fun game, um, well, we, obviously we with the holidays and stuff we had a lot of different things going on, but we were able to get some gaming in. Um, our our kids were home, and uh, we had given our daughter Cascadia when it came out, but she right. really you know she's living in another city, she's got work to do, and she's like she needs to learn the game, so she's like I want to learn Cascadia. And we said okay, so we sat down and played it. We played it a few times with her, and she. She really enjoyed it, and and you know I think it's it's really you know we talk about the AEG games, and it's when you get into those um, hexagon type tile games, mm-hmm. um, which they're famous for, you know Calico, Cascadia, and I'm going to talk about Verdant in a minute. You know that that right. there's just that sense of um, you know 
laying tiles out and, and getting that, that feel for it. So she enjoyed it. She enjoyed the good, the symmetry of building out her tableau and, and keeping all the environments together and getting the, the, the right kind of wildlife in the right spot. Um, I, I'm I'm the king of salmon. I always can get this really long salmon line going, and it just really irritates oh, yeah. them. So you know, but so Cascadia was fun to kind of get that out on the table. But the the next two were were more uh, new to me, um, and so we're going to start with Dog Park. You know, we talked a little bit yeah. about it a few episodes ago, but I hadn't played it yet, um, and it's interesting. So this is a game. You know, we've seen the the bird game and we've seen the cat game and now we have the right. dog game, many, cat, uh, games, many yeah. cat games. That's right. Uh, but dog park was um, very satisfying on a lot of different levels. I got to tell you, and I was turned on to it by our mutual friend, Chris Keener, oh. uh, who had backed the Kickstarter and I didn't back the Kickstarter, but he was telling me about it and he was excited about it. And I, you know, obviously how social media works, uh, it showed up in my Facebook feed that I could <laughs> order it direct from Birdwood and still get the the Kickstarter perks. And so I did. Nice. Got here in time for Christmas, not knowing that when I, we pulled it out on Christmas morning, my wife was like, oh, I've been wanting to play that. I'm like, oh, okay, well, I <laughs> That's know. awesome. So, um, but what's really cool about it is, you know, there's, there's this element of you are um, – attracting dogs to your kennel. And then once you have, and you have to um, uh, bid for them by, with your reputation. So you have these little um, uh, bidding devices that look a lot like a leash holder, you know, mm-hmm. and oh, you're nice. bidding for the dog. And so, and when you have a four player game, there's four spots and you may bid five. So you start, everybody starts out with five reputation and that's your currency. And so you may bid one or two or three for that dog, but you put your dog walkers down one at a time. So you don't know, you put your dog walker down, you make your bid. You don't know with the next person, if they're going to try to go for the same dog or if they're going to go for a different dog. Oh, okay. And so there's a bit of, when you're player one, it's actually a little bit more stressful than when you're the last player because you can kind of know, okay, well, if I go there, I can bid one and I know I'm going to get the dog. So um, is, it just a, is it just a once around uh, bid then? So you do it, you do the first, you, you, you attract two dogs to your kennel per round. There are four rounds. So oh, okay. you attract the dog to your kennel. Um, that's your bidding with your reputation. And then you put the dog on the lead to go for a walk. And to do that, you have to use the um, resources that you become. You start off with a couple of um, – uh, it's a couple of uh, – Roadkill? No. No. <laughs> no, but there's like different treats. You know, there's there's uh, right. toys. There's, there's chew toys. There's bones. There's, you know, different things like that. And so you're using – and different things – are going to be a currency. So sticks and balls, you get two of those, and then you get one treat and you get one chew toy. Ah. So, cause those are a little bit more expensive to get. So you use, so when you're looking at the dog, just like in wingspan, there's a cost to pay for the bird. Well, there's a cost to attract the dog to get on the leash. You're like, come here, get on the leash, come here. You know? <laughs> yeah. So, you know, you do that. And so the idea is you can probably get one or two dogs out for a walk on your first couple of rounds. So then you go for this walk and the walk is determined 
things that you can pick up along the way. Um, it's kind of like parks. You know, if you land yep. on, if you go here, you get the resource that's there. Right. Mm -hmm. And then it, there's a card that comes out every round that changes what resources you can find. And okay. one of the actions you can ah. take is you can look at, you can look at the deck and look at two dogs on the deck and decide to replace one of the dogs in the opportunity to attract next go round. Cause you're always refilling the field of dogs that you can attract. <clears throat> and then there's another move that says you can swap a dog in your kennel with one of the dogs that's showing. So okay. you can begin because there's there's a you randomly you put out the dogs and their value and certain dog like I'll just put it out this way if you have the if you have the most hounds there's eight points at the end of the game and uh, the next okay, so layer might be thing going on. right and the next thing okay. might randomly have been terriers since we went to Wofford um, hey. terriers would be seven points and so on and so on and so on and so there's all of these different things that can re really. Out, um, drive the outcome of the score, which I, I like because it's very balanced. I like it because okay. it's very balanced. So you do the walking thing, and the first one in gets some reputation point. The second person in gets some reputation. The third person in gets a rep, gets a little bit rep, less reputation, and then a, or an or a swap a dog, and then the last person is just you got to come in automatically and you lose a point. So it's kind of like parks. Once you get oh, all your yeah. players off, everybody's off the board. So, so there's all those kinds of different things to it, and you do that four times, and it's just really satisfying because your reputation goes up, but then you have to attract more dogs, so your reputation goes down, and so there's this fluidity to your reputation, and the dog walking kind of makes it fluid, and then at the the end of game, goals uh, can really drive it. So, um, I've played this thing four times. I've won it three times out of four. Okay. Um, but it's not been like I ran away with it. It's been like by a point or two, you know. And have you been playing this two player or was so we played the kids when they we, were over the we played it both ways. So we were down in uh, my in law's house and my wife's cousin's kids came in and we taught it to them and so that was a true four player game. And those are adult children or they were twelve teens? and nine twelve and nine. Okay. Twelve and nice. Nine. Um but it was really interesting. I really thought one of them was going to win because you know I was kind of, I was kind of holding back a little bit. Shh, don't tell them I said that. Um, well, it's, because it's yeah. you know you're teaching them and you want children. them to you yeah. want them to like the game and you don't want to be an asshole. It, yeah, I know it's playing against type for me, but you know. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, but, but the thing is, I kept getting these. I like I had the most hounds, or I had the most. You know, I had the, the uh, and all of a sudden I had like 15 points out of nowhere just by accident. And, um, anyway, it was just that kind of thing. So, yep. but it was very close. It was like, we were all within like one or two of each other. It was not a oh, big, nice. it was not a bit. And that's what I like about it. It's a balanced game. You don't feel like, and there's no point in the game where you kind of feel like, well, that's it. I should just give up hmm. because there's certain things that are going to work your way. Now I will tell you in the two player version, you add the third person oh, as an, sort of an AI figure, as an AI figure, they have their own kennel. They don't, they don't do certain things, but they always, so the way it works is you bid your order. So let's say there's a, a hound on the, the board you want and the hound is the most valuable dog. Okay. The Automa will always 
place themselves on the most valuable dog. Uh, and then you have a dice that you roll that tells you what their bid is. Okay. So if you're like player one and you know, there's your, you see that this is the most valuable dog, you're probably going to bid like a three or four and hope that the dice roll doesn't exceed you. Yeah. So, so that's been actually pretty interesting. And then also as you go through the dog selection, she gets a dog too, or are they get a dog? And so their kennel is filling up and it could be at the end of the game, who's got the most hounds and you look over there and the autumn has got the most hounds. And so you don't get that eight points. Uh, jerk. Yeah. So it's, so I thought, you know, it's really interesting. The way that they've done this is that they've hmm. made it easy to manage, That's you, you know, and you're not having to act like you're playing that third person. There's just certain things that happen that keep them in your way. If that yep. makes sense. That does. So, and so it sounds like there's a bit of a, a bit of a point salad. There's a lot of different ways to get points throughout the game. And then yeah. you've got some big bonuses at the end. Yeah, that would be fair. Cool. Yeah. I like games like that. That's yeah. So, but it was, yeah. but what was interesting is if, you know, on my Facebook, we, I, I always post pictures with the hashtag, not board, uh, not board, yes. but board gaming, not hashtag, not board, board gaming. There we go. Yes. Um, and, uh, somebody asked me about it, uh, a friend of mine and he's like, you know, I, I was kind of on the fence on this game. What do you think? And we'd only played it one time. And the first time we played it, it was kind of like, okay, that was cute. Okay. And then we commented on it like that. And then we played it again and we played it again. And all of a sudden we realized there's some complexity to this game. It's the fact that it's still balanced. The fact that there's strategy, the, 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 no game is, is played out the same way yet. And I think, wow, this is really neat because you can play it with kids, like I said, 12 to Mm 9, you know, but at the same time, you can play it with adults and it's never like uh, there's just the way that the dogs fall, the way that the cards fall, the way that all the the things fall. It's it's amazingly satisfying. Nice. Anyway, that sounds awesome. So that's dog bark. Now, now I'm very interested in this game. Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, I think I told you that, you know, we had bagged Verdant and it came yes. in and I just had sort of saved it for under the tree. Um, we really like this game and it's, it's, oh, it's, it's right up there with, you know, your normal um, flat out games kind of publishing, mm-hmm. you know, the whole, we talked a little bit about, they, they did Cascadia, they did um, Calico. Calico, yep. Um, and obviously this game. And so it's one of those things I kind of, I kind of feel like these guys for me or the, are these, this design team for me is the REM of board gaming where I would just, <laughs> Oh, they've got something new coming out. I'll just buy it. I'll just care. grab that. You know, yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> and of course, you know, anytime you've got Beth Sobel doing the art, you know, it's going to be good. Yeah. So, and, yeah. And, it, and it was, you know, it's a very nice card laying tableau, very much, uh, you know, you're building out, um, it kind of reminded us a little bit of because um, you're building out this cat of like five wide and three tall of your okay. cards, so you're you're building that out, um, and they can't be, they have to be um, orthogonal mm-hmm. uh, to each one, so that that's always kind of orthogonal. Is that the right way to say it? Um, orthogonal, yeah. orthogonal. Yeah. Anyway. Um, so 
we really, you know, we really enjoyed that because you're, you're picking a room, you're picking a, a plant that's going in that room. And depending upon the light that that room is letting in will drive the verdancy mm-hmm. of that plant. And you're getting resources from that verdancy. And right. as you collect the right kind of verdancy, there'll be a number on the card. So if you get like, let's say the number's five. So if I get five verdancies over a period of time and there's different ways that you do that, then you get to take the verdancies off and you get to claim a pot that has a value that you put over that. So it could be three, two, or one. And the number of pots that you have in the game are dependent upon the number of players. And so, um, you know, we find that to be a very, it's just a nice relaxing kind of game. There's strategy to it. Uh, you're building out that tableau. You're you're collecting the resources, and also, it's kind of like it's, it's a little bit like um, Cascadia in the sense that you put a card. You're you're taking a card, and you're taking a a um, a tile of the a same tile time, right? of sort, yeah. And then you can either put the tile on the card, or you can put it in like a bank where you've got like a one holding position, because there's certain tiles that you can get that are like fertilizer or. Uh, a watering can or something like that uh, that gotcha. give you an ability to enhance the verdancy or you are putting these tiles in the room. Like it might be a, you might have a pink room and you get a pink tile that's got a goldfish on it. And at the end of the, at the end of the game, the number of unique tiles that you have help you with the score and having a tile on the card will make certain things more valuable and just, you know, it just and the, from a point salad oh, yeah. standpoint, there's different ways that you can enhance the game and, and, and still come out ahead. And, you know, and it's one of those, it's very similar to dog part in the at park in the sense that, you know, we come out of it with, um, you know, two to three points mm-hmm. apart. There's never really a runaway nice. of the game. Um, and we've played it, uh, mostly two player. I don't think we've had an opportunity, uh, to play it with more than, than that. So. And it looks like there's a, like there's a bit of a puzzle, which would again be sort of a flat out games thing of how you're putting these things out, the adjacency stuff that you were talking about, and um, finding ways to combo that stuff up for your best version of things. Yeah, I mean it's very yeah it's very much the layout that you want to do is that you're trying to surround a room with the plants that would want to be in that room, and their color driven and at the end of the game there's five different room colors and there's five different plant types if you you get three points if you have at least all five plants and you get three points if you have at least all five rooms so there's certain ways that you can kind of you know update your score um the resources that are left on your cards unused you get to count them at the end but like so if you have two you get a point if you have three you get a point if you have four, you get two point. You always divide it in half and then round down. Gotcha. And so, you know, so there's lots of, you know, there's, it's a well-thought-out mechanic, real easy to learn, uh, real easy to play. And then there's some there's some goals and some, some other things that they do that we haven't quite um, moved on to. So you can even enhance the game. Okay. Um, but, we, but last week it was, it was on our table all week. Well, the week before it had been Dog Park. Did dog park all the way through. Then we switched to verdant and um, did verdant all the way through. And uh, now we're on our way to picking out something tonight. We we think we're going to pull out Asia. Ah. But, um, you know, we got a lot of games for Christmas. We got a lot of work. Asia is good. Yeah. 
So yeah, so that was sort of what's been on our table for the last uh, last couple of weeks. Yeah, um, I like it. So I was excited to see. So I was looking at um, Dicebreaker, uh, mm-hmm. a magazine or online magazine, I guess I should say, and they did their tabletop awards for 2022. And um, I was very happy to see that they had awarded they had awarded uh, the the game of the year to uh, Flamecraft. Yes. Now I don't know if their their approach to tabletop awards is uh, how how I don't know if that's just like hey hey James let's see when I pick our favorite game of the year and call it that or if it's uh... well they say they have industry people <laughs> who are uh, doing as well as this um, listeners choice or um, you know people's choice awards so it's got to be yeah. I don't know how they uh, define that first term but you know. That's what they say on the on the website. Well, I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna include the article in our show notes, and there was a nice article about um, taught them talking to the designer of the game, and he said that the idea was to kill players with cuteness. That's awesome. so. <laughs> and I think. And I was look I was looking at that list too, and the uh, the breakout or up and coming designers of the year were the dog park people. So I thought that was a yeah no that's that, up as well. Yeah, that was uh, – it's just kind of nice to see that this is such a fluid uh, hobby in that sense, uh, that there's always something new coming along. It's not always – what did we talk about last time? <laughs> I don't know how the heck that happened. Wow. Wow. All of a sudden, that. That's what happens. Musical interlude. That's what happens when you open a browser that's got music playing that you don't know about. I was going to take, I was trying to pull up the list to see if there was anything else on there. Oh, well, not a problem. That was a nice little musical interlude. Thank you for yeah. that. <laughs> oh, boy. That was. I tell you, no, I tell but it you. is nice to see that there are, you know, that you always have new people coming in. And uh, this seems like a young couple from their, from their photos. And it's just fun to see that we've got, you know, millennials and late stage millennials and, you know, getting into Gen Z people who are still interested in tabletop games as a as a way to you know connect without uh, the screen. Even though you and I here we are connecting over screen, but, <laughs> but it's great to see that others really value the same kind of tabletop space that uh, that we yeah, do. Yeah, yeah, and it's and, uh, it's interesting because I ran into the same the same guy uh, that had asked me about Dog Park. I ran into he and his uh, daughter last night at the grocery store, and um, you know they had gotten Flamecraft for for christmas ah, nice. um and they got it at our friendly local game store that we talked about carolina tabletop games and um you know and so it was just kind of fun to see how it's it's getting out there you know it, it, yeah. it's got that you know there's that it's nice to see a game that's got buzz again you know mm-hmm. i seemed like it seemed like there was buzz with with uh wingspan there was buzz with parks there was buzz with um Isle of Cats and and that, that happens, but it just seems like in the last eighteen months there hasn't been that buzz. Frost Haven. Yeah. Well. Yeah. <laughs> if if you've gotten yours yet. Yeah. Well. That? <laughs> yeah, but I mean, it's stuff like that. I mean, that it's it's one of those that kind of comes along, and there's the there's the marketing push buzz, and then there's the word of mouth buzz, and I think that that's right. really yep. the difference of what I'm talking about here is that yep. you know they've all kind of got it down to a science in terms of well we're going to we're going to use Kickstarter to build momentum for it and to make sure we have our you know costs covered and we're going to do this yep. and so it's um 
anyway, so I just thought that was interesting to see yeah. uh, what had come out there. Well, and speaking of that kind of thing, I saw that Obsession uh, has broken into the top 100. And once again, just a one-off, you know, uh, you know, one, what, uh, one game game company. Yep. Um, getting on the boards, as it were. And so that that was kind of fun. I was thinking of you when I saw that. Well, it's funny you mentioned that because um, Ship Shaper Games, which is they do inserts, they developed okay. a custom insert for Obsession. Oh, wow. And the upstairs, downstairs. And I actually bought it and uh, built it over the holiday. Okay. And I can now get all into one box and it actually closes tightly, which I'm very excited Sweet. about. Uh, but it's also um, organize the game in such a way that you can very quickly get it out on the table, which is what I'm very excited That's about awesome. because it's yep. one of those games that there's a, there is a lot of setup to it, but when you, yes. when you, which is why once we get it out, we tend to leave it out for a few days. Um, but we love that game and, and I love it too, that Dan and Dan Halligan, who's the designer of the game is so responsive. Um, you know, it's kind of like the interaction we had, we talked about having with Jamie, mm-hmm. uh, when I got the game, well, first of all, when I, I was a laid backer of the game, Um, and it was during the pandemic, it was Dale's birthday was coming up and I said, Hey, I, I don't know if you're going to be able to ship this before this time, but if you can, it's for my wife's birthday, et cetera, yada, yada, yada. And he took the order and he's like, you know, I'll, I'm, I'm working on it. We'll do what we can. Uh, they missed that mark, which was okay. He, but, but the thing is once he realized he was going to miss the mark, I got an email from him saying, "Oh, nice, Joe. Just want you to know, this is the situation. I'm, you know, and it was just very customer focused. And then when we got the game, one of the one of the meeples was cut in half. It did like the bottom half was missing. It was like a, <gasps> a yeah. And I was like, well, that's a bummer. I didn't think they were still doing ex- executions like that at that. I didn't either. Okay, yeah. So, um, eh, British royalty. Anyway, so, um. I I sent Dan a note saying, hey, does, do you have an extra meeple that you could throw me in? He's like, oh, I'm so sorry. And he sent me like a bag of meeples, like <laughs> one of each, one of each character, you know, so I have, I now, <laughs> so I have more than I need. In case now. there's a royal purge. Yeah. yeah. So, so that was kind of cool. And so he's just always been responsible. And then when, so I, anyway, that's, I'll, I, you, you said obsession and I went down something that wasn't even on the list to talk about. Obsessed, yeah. <laughs> but since we're talking about Kickstarter, yep, yeah. So, uh, Artisans of Splendid Vale arrived, uh, and eh, probably about I don't know four or five months late. But these things happen. Shipping was all kind of weird and so on. And I was expecting, you know, maybe a uh, wingspan size box, or maybe Isle of Cats, right? Slightly sure. outsized box. Mm-hmm. This is more like, um. The yeah, it's is that the retail version? <laughs> no, this I don't know. I don't know what the retail version is going to look like, but this thing is a monster. Wow, uh, it's the size it's a little bit uh, smaller than the um, uh, the the wingspan nesting box. Yeah, but uh, it's so Splendid Vale is a um, sort of book with you, know, you have your little. Um, encounters on a book right. like this was sort of a spiral bound thing it's if anybody's played stuffed fables or you know some sort it's kind of a choose your own adventure sort of thing yeah that's what it looked like to me was the stuffed yeah. fables um approach it very much is what's also interesting that i found about this 
is that each of your characters has their own sort of separate book too. So when you go to those pages, they'll send you to other pages here so that there are things that your character can see in a space that other characters can't, right? So if you're playing the artisan, you'll see more in the tools section mm -hmm. than the character that's the warrior who would find more stuff in the right weapon section. So they have their own books. <laughs> and when I say books... Jeez. Yeah, it's their own... That's crazy. Yeah, so it was astonishing, and there's all this stuff in there. It's just like, wow. So, yeah, I was expecting... You know, again, maybe Isle of Cat size. No, <laughs> no. This is probably 10 or 15 pounds of game. Will it fit in a Kalax? Oh, man. It, it, it should. should. It might be a little. You need six. It might, yeah, like I, think, I think it would fit inches, in a 16 inches, I think, is the clearance in a Kalax. Yeah, no, I think, it, I think it would do that. It's a nice cube. And then the, um, the rule book, fascinatingly, is laid out like a war game in that each paragraph has its own number. So like I'm picking at random here on page nine, we have 302 dice pool, 302.1, 302.1A, 302.1B. So that's, you know, different paragraphs. So it's easy enough to like, here's the, here's the sentence you need. This is what happens when a lawyer writes a rule book? No. Um, but it was a... Uh, fascinating i looked at that and i was like oh wow that's a an approach to a euro games or a storytelling game that i hadn't seen that well it's, more it's of that old school war game it's look. interesting to me that I'm, I'm looking at the complexity rating and it says three and a half out of five mm -hmm. but what you just described seemed like you know five and a half out of five yeah <laughs> i mean and i think i think it's you know, once you've got like your character sheet and stuff in front of you, it's going to, it feels like it's going to be fairly streamlined, but so it's not like you're playing, you know, something that's deeply complicated, like Eclipse or something. Right. But it's, uh, there's still a lot of, a lot of stuff going on. I'm looking at it on their website right now and it looks as big as what you just showed me. Oh yeah. It's a big, I mean, it's, it's available. It's, a big boy. For, it's available for purchase at Renegade Games. RenegadeGameStudios.com. There you go. So there you go. Huh. Interesting. Oh, yeah. And so I'm looking forward to uh, Sky coming down and uh, see if we can get this on the table and play a couple of... It's Yeah, and, and it really is, feels like Stuffed Fables, the board game uh, for adults. Nice. Yeah. Well, and it's it's also nice to have something sort of campaign-related that is not caught up in other tropes. It, so. And that'll be, and that is interesting, and it is it does also have a kind it does have a, a legacy aspect to it. Mm -hmm. So you are writing things down, and but uh, you could also buy the the reset pack, mm. which I did because you know it was another Kickstarter, sure, yeah, another fifteen or twenty bucks uh, for the add on. And I was like, well, at this point, what's another fifteen <laughs> or twenty bucks? So nice, yeah. So looking forward to seeing it. It's a very different sort of approach to characters and. We'll see how the adventure goes. Yeah, I'd keep us posted on that. I think that would be yeah, fun man. to get, you know, get how that goes. Well, you know, for me, it's been kind of quiet on the Kickstarter front. Um, I think December is a time when they don't do launches, which is probably good because yeah. people Makes are sense. Yeah. yeah. But I did get some alerts that things that I have backed a while back have finally shipped. Uh, first and foremost, Harry Potter Catch the Snitch. Okay. Uh, by night, which again model. sounds like a mafia thing, but all right. Yeah, yeah. So it is uh, officially 
shipped. I think I'm actually got a, I think I actually have a tracking number on it. But Night wow. Models is the, this is the organization. They're out of Spain, uh, and they have a lot of licensing with Warner Brothers. They've got the Harry Potter series, and they've got a lot of the the DC comics. They've got a whole Batman uh, miniatures game that they they do a lot more by putting their value into the quality of the miniatures. Those so think like. Um, is it Steamforge that does that? Um, yes. Yeah. The 3D color printing yeah. that kind of stuff. And so, highly detailed. So they've done that. And um, so I have the the Harry Potter miniatures game um, and with all the minis, which is mainly why I got it, because I wanted the minis. Uh, but uh, Catch the Snitch is, is kind of like a Blood Bowl kind of game without the blood of the bowl you know you're it's <laughs> well, more like, it's, it's, it's a, still a pitch yeah there's yeah. a pitch and you know you've got your players and there's a there's dice and you're 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 it's a two-player game obviously yeah, seen that. so it's a it's a it's a neat thing and i had backed it how long ago was it that i backed this thing because it's been a while it's been a hot minute uh it's one sure. of the it's one of the few that are on my list that are um probably at the lower part of the list in terms of when I backed it. Sure. Uh, it looks super interesting. Yeah, particularly yeah. if you're a fan, it looks like it's trying to do that aerial movement, combat, all kinds of good fun stuff. Yeah. It was originally due to be delivered November of 2021. So that tells you how long ago I backed it and how long I've been waiting for it. So, wow. yeah, it was funded on December 12th, 2020. So it's already been two years. But Night Models, they've been, you know, they say it's shipped. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, and they do other stuff. So I'd be curious to see uh, how, yeah. that, how that comes out. We'll, we'll we'll keep you posted on that. And then I also Please got do. word that Distilled has uh-huh. finally shipped uh, one of the bourbon-based games. Um, <laughs> so it's... Um, it, it was one of the stretch goals, uh, you know, pint of uh, you know, lanterns I, or something? You know, it's been so long since I've bid on this i didn't even tell you what the stretch goals are <laughs> but i can tell you that i got a link this week that shows me the ship and where it is ah so it's uh it is on a marina costco kind of um container ship and it's left just left the sea of japan well so it's got a so i don't and i don't know if they're going to come in through the west coast and distribute that way or if they're going to go through the panama canal a lot of times, if they use quartermaster logistics, they'll go through the Panama Canal and come in through Savannah, and okay. uh, then Orlando. Then they go down to Orlando and they get boxed and all this stuff. It's it's quite a quite an operation. These these guys that are doing third party logistics um, for these gamings are pretty pretty incredible. In fact, I got you said yeah. something about the nesting boxes. I got the two nesting boxes that I ordered this week, and they it, I noticed that it came from. Uh, a miniature market is where they use miniature market for distribution, which I thought. And you've got two of the nesting boxes, you say? Yes. Uh, okay, so a bit of ex- a bit of explanation. Okay, yeah. Wingspan is a game that we love so much that we have a spare of everything. Okay. I'm in a closet over here. I have. Shrink wrapped copies never opened of the original Wingspan European expansion Oceana because 
we were playing it so much. We were like, you know what? We're going to ruin this game at some point. We better. And, 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 it out, may, yeah. and, and there was this fear like, well, what if it goes out of print? <laughs> Silly us. <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, we have little faith. Yeah. But, no uh, but I have a, I have a duplicate of, um, of Isle of Cats and their uh, it, variations, but my daughter gets the other, gets the other sets. That's a little different where we're actually giving them to somebody. And then uh, Parks is the same way. We, have, we always get duplicates ah, okay. of all the Parks and their expansions. So, uh, but th- this is the only one that I actually hoard like a dragon. <laughs> nice. So, all right. And speak- well, then that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. And speaking of hoarding like a dragon. Ah, yes. It's, it's time to, to Interesting get things happening on the OG. Well, so, you know, I have a lot of articles that I'm going to put into the to the show notes, but I'm not going to go through each and every article. But let, let me kind of give you the net of it. Yeah. So there's been a lot of talk in the Dungeons & Dragons tabletop role-playing game world that Hasbro, the owner of Wizards of the Coast, is, is re- is revoking. This is what's rumored. I want to be very clear. This is rumored that they are going to revoke the uh, open game license 1.0 that came out in the year 2000 that basically gave um, unrevocable, an unrevocable license, which I'm kind of not sure how you revoke an unrevocable license, but you know, there's a unbreakable curse in Harry Potter. So who knows? (laughs) So, um, and so they're coming out with 1.1, which I don't know why it's 1.1 if you're revoking everything in 1.0. But the original license, the original um, open game license was approximately 900 words, and it sounds like they're going to 9,000 words. Yeah. So you can kind of expand. Yeah, expanded this out of them. And order of magnitude. So when I originally started putting this in, it's like there is, there's been this whole awfulizing, catastrophizing thing about what are they going to do? Because this one D&D thing is coming out and they're trying to, you know, gamify D&D very similar to the way uh, the new lady who's in charge. And I don't know her name and I'm sorry I should. The lady who's now uh, the president of Wizards of the Coast, who is part of Hasbro, she came from Microsoft Xbox division. And so they brought her in to kind of and they there's speculation that they brought her in because they learned to do microtransactions very well at an Xbox. So imagine like, oh, you're playing one D&D and you want to have this Well, you can buy it and, you know, you can buy this or you can buy that. And it's kind of like setting yourself up to win. I, I don't know if that's true. I haven't really looked at one D&D. And as much as I like the virtual tabletop abilities that we have. Um, I don't want to play D and D as if it's a video game. Right. So I'll be curious to see, you know, where does one D and D go? Um, because there's, there's this idea of if you remove, in my opinion, if you remove theater of the mind, which I'm not saying it does, that kind of kills the creativity of the game. And I'll actually pause there for a second to say it was interesting. My daughter last, my youngest daughter last night was just sort of saying that, in her opinion, she's 23, because schools, in her opinion, don't really teach you how to write the way they used to, creative okay. writing in, in the elementary ages. Oh, that, yes. That you're, that you're basically killing the ability for stories, for movies, and things to be variable. That's a different topic for another time. Yeah, I'll okay, just, leave, I'll just throw that out there and, and walk <laughs> away from it. But it's yeah. – and, and maybe – 
I think you and her should have that conversation. Um, but, <laughs> yeah. anyway, but anyway, coming back to this uh, original game license thing. So we don't really know what 1D&D is going to do to it. No. We don't really know what the final piece is. But here are some of the things that came out from a leaked version that was out on Gizmodo um, earlier this week. And the leaked version basically said if you m- make any kind of money off of um, – D and D third party stuff. So think Paizo, think Cobalt, think Cobalt Press, think um, Christina Styles, who we had on here a few weeks back. Yep. Think um, a Critical Role, you know, RPG, the, yes. and and then DM Dave and everybody that's on YouTube that has their system or has their livelihood orbiting around this game of D and D. Even um, Chaosium probably has uh, in the Cthulhu series probably has a reference to the OGL. Probably, probably does. Yeah. That makes so sense. they're basically saying if you make more than $50,000 a year on this, you need to be reporting what you've got. And then if you make more than $750,000 a year on this content, you got to start paying us a royalty of 20% of the, of the, Revenue, not the profit, the revenue. Mm. So, and the way that that's the, harsh, and the way that this is written, let's say Joe and James get real creative. We come up with this uh, idea for a Kickstarter, um, you know, D and D through Kudzu um, uh, League schools. Um, I like it, <laughs> and we Let's raise and we raise a million dollars. Well, everything over seven hundred fifty thousand of that just that Kickstarter, that just that scooped out immediately to them. That twenty five percent of that would twenty to twenty percent of that would go to them unless we were uh, unless we were not using Kickstarter. Let's say we were using GameFound's new system, mm-hmm. then we would owe them twenty five percent because they want Kickstarter to be their preferred. Yeah, I've seen that too. Yeah, so so there's that, and um, and then let's also, say then let's say oh. Joe and James are really bad managers and they pay all the way up to a million dollars just to get that game fulfilled. They still owe the 25% yep. between the seven fifty and the 1 million. So that's kind of sketchy. I also saw that uh, just if you're ever doing anything with them, you need to register. Yes. With, if you're, you know, whatever you do, even if it's just a, you know, a PDF that you want to put up on drive through yep. or just on your own blog or whatever, you still need to send them a note that says, Hey, I'm doing this. And Oh, by the way, the, the minute you publish it, 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 they, they reserve the right to take it and use it and not have to pay you anything. Yes. Yep. To vacuum it up, whatever they, yep. So uh, this is kind of what we're seeing and what's been leaked. Nothing has been officially announced by wizards of the coast or Hasbro. There are a lot of YouTubers that are, filling their channels with clickbait about oh, yes. this. They want you to watch, you know, cause they're like, Oh, this is horrible. Yeah. Or right, watch my video and see how horrible it is. You know? Yeah. And, and so I'm, I'm, I've really tried to avoid, um, some of those I have watched dungeon craft cause he's the, the friend, he's a friend of Christina's. I oh, have okay. watched, um, a few others to just sort of get the gist of it and read some articles, but I have not read, I have not watched some of the other sensational ones um, that I know typically are just, you know, they rant about everything, which is fine. That's, sure. They have a YouTube, well, they have a YouTube audience for that. I like the theory that you were talking about uh, before we started recording too. 
Yeah. I, so what that was is I think, um, Hasbro puts out the worst case scenario possible and see how people react. And then they dial it back to some more things that are still more favorable to them, but they, it makes it a lot more reasonable than people go, oh, this is so much better than we thought it was going to be. Because I think that right. one of the things that I think is the whole idea of revoking the OGL version one, because there was some speculation that the OGL 1.1 would only apply to um, 1D and D and that everything before that would still be governed by the original platform, which means 5E could still be a usable platform. And I also think, which I think it will be. There's there's the, that would be great. Um, I was also thinking you're right. There's a, there's a sort of psychological thing about this. If we leak it and then revise it, everybody says, Oh, well, if that, if that revised one was the first one, people would really lose their minds. But because it's less intense <laughs> than the first one, then psychologically they're a little happier about it. Another, though, is that it allows um, wizards to kind of outsource and group source um, various you know, community responses and legal responses and theories and just hear how people are going to think about it and what they expect it to mean so that they don't have to sit in the committee room with, you know, a dozen people, almost all of them whom are lawyers saying, well, let's talk about this and see what this means. Instead, you give it to 500,000 people and see what they react. And you scoop all of that information and say, ah, okay, so that's not really what we meant. So let's revise that. Um, people Fair. are just losing their minds about that one. So let's see if there's another way to do it. And yeah, so I'm well, wondering about that too. That's fair. It's interesting though, because this all started blowing up at the beginning of last week. And this morning while I was prepping for this meeting or this uh, podcast. <laughs> Is this uh, a meeting? Is that uh, what I call this? Sure. Why not? <laughs> uh, the discord for the local game store finally started talking about the topic. Uh, so it's, it's, it's kind of interesting to watch how it's threading through um, the groups. But at the end of the day, I, you know, this is the way I look at it. I mean, I look at our, the way that we play D and D and what we're doing on our channel. We're, we haven't monetized squat. We don't have any, no. any, any, any variations in the game or just because it's, we're creative collective storytelling. Right. Um, and I don't, I don't think it'll change the way that we play because I don't know if, if we'll gravitate to one D and D honestly, I kind of like the being closer to the older school style of, I like physical death, uh, dice. I don't, I don't like, um, electronic dice, uh, or online dice. So we'll see. Uh, I just don't want to, I just don't want to see, Wizards of the Coast, you know, they say those who um, are, are, what is it that, that Samuel Clemens, Mark Twain once said, history doesn't repeat itself, but it rhymes. You know, uh, yeah. we've yeah. seen we've seen TSR, we've seen Wizards of the Coast do this before in multiple iterations yep. where they try to, to control something that really will hurt their brand in the long run. And, well, and one interesting pattern that's interesting, even deeper than that is the we're going to release it so that a lot of people can have it and then that starts to become very very popular and then they've tried to put the you know the the genie back in the bottle try to close pandora's box whichever metaphor sure so yep but i i you know there people are like oh what does this mean for critical role and i'm sitting here thinking to myself they'll probably cut us very special mutually beneficial deal between the two of them and then it will continue to be there yeah their marketing influencing kind of arm 
because I was going to say you don't want to kill that golden goose. Well, I mean, Matt Mercer's already has been an author inside of Wizards of the Coast even before um, he wrote his Wild Mount and his other uh, his other pieces that have come out. Because you go into the the Tyranny of Dragons, I think there's some stuff in there that he wrote, um, as well as a few others. So it's you know it's it's fine. Yeah. Uh, as long my thing is, I want them to be fair. And fair is, you know, it's, you know, we, we already have so many things in our lives where artists don't get paid for what they do. This is true. You know, organizations like Spotify have taken a lot of the money and Apple, you know, Apple with mm-hmm. their, you know, so many organizations have taken the, the money to the artist further and further away. They're, don't get me wrong. They still make money, but yes. they don't get what they used to. And. And it's just because there's been something put in the way um, mm-hmm. that that does that, and, and I would hate to see that happen in a, in a place like tabletop gaming, where yes, you know Hasbro has the right to protect what they're publishing, but I don't think that what they're publishing necessarily competes with what Dave Hamrick is doing, or what Matt Mercer is doing, or what any of us try to do. So. Yep. I hope it works out. It's a game, you know, I, I'd hate to see it, you know, go such in a negative way, but we'll watch it. I don't want to, I didn't want oh, us yeah. to be sensationalizing in here. I was just, this is more like what we know. I've got a number of articles that I will put in the show notes that everybody can look at their leisure and uh, we will go from there. Sounds good. Thank you, so, sir. Yeah, no, I think that's, I mean, because we're not anywhere near the end game, we have, there's, you know, what, what can you even talk about with any degree of specificity it's like this is what that document says and who knows if that's actually going to be the document we see in another week another couple months whatever all right well um i only had one more thing on the list Uh, oh yes Um, but i don't think we need to 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 get deep in the weeds on it but it was i just saw this really interesting article that said you might have too many games if <laughs> oh yeah I, I recognize myself in several of those and uh, i thought wow that's uh that's a pretty uh uh pretty when you said thing. when you said i would like to i want to have a goal of playing every game in my collection by the end of the year i was like dude i would need at least two years to do that well yes and i don't honestly don't so think i'm gonna i don't i honestly don't think i'm gonna make that goal <laughs> but i do think that i'm gonna get the ones that are still in shrink wrap out and get them on the table See, that's awesome. Yeah. And I think that, you know, but I did, I did like this very first one. Uh, I'm guilty of this more than once. Uh, you spend a day or two researching a game only to find out you already own it. That yep. I'm not there yet. <laughs> I, I'd like the, you know, I'm, but I did accidentally buy two copies of Flamecraft. I do like the, uh, I'm looking, I, I, there's a game that I have in mind. I know it's somewhere, somewhere on these shelves. And I just keep wandering around the room trying to find where the hell it is yeah so are you library of congress or do we decimal with your games <laughs> no i do it by uh it's color ah it's a yeah so I, yeah i i will say this and then we can we can kind of draw it to a close yeah, but i hear i hear your next appointment out there in the background oh yeah yeah he's, he's alive <laughs> and kicking I have, as I get these big box collections, like I have Everdell and I now have the wingspan and, and those, right. I have a, a Kalax over here. That's a two by four. So it's eight. Oh. And I think I'm going to fill that up with the big boxes. There you go. And any, any spare space, I'm just going to fill up with big boxes and stone And then last thing is I got a, a dice destroyer insert 
that basically helps you build a big box for the root collection. <laughs> Amazing. Because I have all of the roots, so I need to get trying to thing. trying to be more efficient with my Kalax space. And so I figured if I could get that all into one shelf, that would be Oof. huge. Anyway. Life goals, man. Life goals. All right. So a uh, lot lots to talk about this go around. We'll see you again yeah. in a couple of weeks. So as usual. Uh, this is Joe Mahaffey, and I am not bored. I am bored gaming. And I'm James Engelhart, hoping that all your tiebreakers break your way. We will see you all next time, and maybe, maybe I'll get the tagline right. <laughs> see ya. Talk to you soon. It's gonna be great. It's the latest craze of 1988. Got a couple of pencils and a drawing pad. It's gonna be gnarly. It's gonna be rad. It's Pictionary. Put your piece on the board. Pictionary. This sketch is absurd. Pictionary. I'm drawing a word. Well, forget about the table. Let's play on the floor. We'll make us some popcorn. Yeah, we'll lock the back door. Now pick up your card and draw what you see. It looks like a bush. Now nah, wait, it looks like a tree. It must be Pictionary. Put your piece on the board. Pictionary. Now what was my word? Pictionary. Are the sketches absurd? Pictionary.